You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome to The Recovered Life Show, Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. How you doing, Christina Dennis? I'm doing great, Damon Frank. How are you? Happy hump day. I- Yes, I am doing fabulous. We are careening towards the middle of July, and I'm <laughs> thrilled about that. There's so much stuff going on in the recovered life community, and I'm really excited about the conver- uh, about the conversation we're going to have today. Uh, I think the topic is uh, interesting. I think a it lot is. of people are going to relate to this, and a lot of people have had problems with this. So I'm so thrilled that we're going to be talking about confrontation and why it's difficult in sobriety. Oh, yeah. Before we confront confrontation, though, I want to thank everybody for all of your continued support. Please like, share, follow uh, the show, send it to a friend, let people know that we're out here. Uh, You can also join our community, which is on Recovered life.us. It's a completely free community. It's a wonderful platform where we connect, we grow our community. You will get free access to coaching and exclusive content. We use an app called Volley. So you'll actually meet people all over the world who are in recovery like you. Um, It is recoveredlife.us. When you go join and make sure to tell me hi because I'd love to get to know you. We love it when people join us on Volley because, you know, it's so great because we do this thing called the daily drink where I come on Mm -hmm. with a message every day. People can get it. They comment back, they text back, whatever works for you. It's so great because really a better recovery is about connection. That's what it's really about. We're learning to connect with people in a deeper, more meaningful way in recovery. And Volley makes it so much easier for us to do that. So Thank you, everyone that has joined us there. So I promised a good one today, Christina. Confrontation. Why is is. it so darn difficult in sobriety? Look, we were fighting everything and everyone when we were out there doing our thing. But now we're we're afraid to talk with anybody or confront Mm -hmm. anyone. Well, and I... I think that it's real it's really important to recognize that when I was drinking this person that was so confrontational was not my real self. It really wasn't. You know, I I now I will be confrontational uh I you know over certain little people in my life. You know, if somebody messes with my son, mama bear comes out. But I remember right at the beginning, I had this view of myself that other people kind of didn't seem that they aligned with. And it really surprised me, and this might be the case for anybody who's newer in sobriety, how truly people saw me as an angry person. I didn't believe I was angry. I thought this is just what you say. This is just what you do. You tell the truth, you get in there, you handle it. And when I got sober, I decided, okay, I better have a different value system, right? And started focusing on my part and trying to do everything right. I was still using my good old character defect of perfectionism, trying to present this person. And then I really started to work on my codependency. And I realized the number one fear, the reason why I struggle with confrontation is my extreme fear of abandonment. 
Um, oh, that's interesting. So, mm -hmm. when, so how did how do you feel that that works in? So, if you feel that you're going to confront somebody, that they're going to leave, basically. Yes, yes. Then that says something about me. That says I'm not worthy. That is my number one fear. And a lot of uh, adult children of alcoholics, this is their number one fear. You know, in the Big Book of AA, they talk about resentment, right? So we all run around trying to have of pen and tongue, right? We're not saying anything. We're not sharing it. We're working on our gratitude. We're not focusing on our negatives. But what I discovered was that I was actually showing up in a very dishonest way when I wasn't willing to confront circumstances or situations. I look at it a lot less as confronting people as I do, uh, you know, trying to strengthen the relationship. Well, adult children of alcoholics, it's the fear of abandonment that, yeah. you know, makes us say yes to everything and keep moving forward. Well, you know, I think that uh, just on a really superficial level, when we look mm -hmm. at confrontation, of course, it's going to be different, especially if you're drinking and doing drugs, right? Yes. Um, your barrier, your barrier, that filter is gone. So Absolutely. a lot of times, look, I think everybody has got a fourth and fifth step if they're in a 12 step program of things that they have done and said or yes. believed or acted out on that now we go like, man, in further inspection, like four minutes or a minute or 30 yes. seconds, I would have realized <laughs> that was a stupid thing. But you, if you don't have a filter, right, and it just blah, right, it comes yes. out. So I think most of anyone who comes into recovery looks at situations and maybe things that they said or did or acted on that they regret looking yes. back on it now. And confrontation is probably one of those. But, you know, I'm going to take this a, a, a step le uh, deeper. I know you're talking about codependency and I know the fear of being abandoned. And mm -hmm. I think that that's there, too. But, you know, one of the things that's in you mentioned the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it says something in there and it says we're going to cease fighting everything and everyone. Yes. One of the things that I got out of confrontation is and I it's funny because you knew I picked a career that all I did was having to confront people exactly. most of the time for a long period of time. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because the confrontation side of it, you realize there's many battles that just aren't worth fighting. Exactly. People are going to believe, you know, that's where I've come into my life. It's like, I, they're wrong. I believe mm -hmm. they're wrong or I mm -hmm. believe they're wrong, right? They might not be, but I believe it. And the fact of the matter is I have, or I have empirical data where I know they're wrong, but it exactly. doesn't really matter. It's not worth it for me to get all riled up and to pull myself out of the here and now and to risk relationships for opinions that don't matter. Yes. Yes. I, I really have come to that place. Now it took me a while to get to that place. I don't believe that's for everything. I believe, you know, I, one of my hot button issues, Christina is injustice. If yes. I feel that there's been injustice with myself or a family member or a friend, I go absolutely crazy and yes. I'll start confront. But even then I start to say, look, is this a fight worth fighting? Right. I never asked myself that when I was actively an alcoholic. 
Well, and I think that what you're talking about is reaction versus response. And so the 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 boundaries that we set, the ability to you know react and and confront somebody in active anger, active alcoholism is not the same as coming to the truth and learning how to communicate with people. Uh, and so really it's false confrontation, right? When we're just blowing back at somebody, it's a reaction. It's a nervous system that's been shot. It's undisciplined behavior. And so like most of us, <laughs> we're black and white. We kind of go to this other extreme where we just let things happen because we don't know exactly what we're supposed to say. That is codependency. When we are not sharing our truth because we want to please the other person or keep the peace at all costs, then we are also abandoning ourselves, which is the ironic part. We're saying yes to everything because we don't want to be abandoned by somebody else, but we're abandoning ourselves every time by not protecting our needs and wants and not expressing them. And it, it's uh, it is one of the hardest. It's not as easy as drinking and not drinking, right? It isn't. It's when do you confront an issue? When do you decide to do the hard thing? And I think you you it takes time to learn this new language. Well, there's components of this, Christina, that are similar to the workaholism thing. Mm -hmm. That deep down, that deep down, there's something else going on beyond just the the workaholism, right? I find this with confrontation too in coaching and working with alcoholics and and people that are suffering from addiction that are trying to get sober, right? One of the things that you find a lot is habitual lying. Yes. Right? Not and for no particular reason, right? Exactly. Like you know this. We we talk about this all the time. Like it would be easier just to say the truth. No, yes. I wore a blue shirt, but no, they insist that it was green, even though everybody knows that it's blue, right? And I think that this is a, a lot, this is tied into confrontation. I think mm. there are times that you do need to confront people and to tell the truth. Like, you know, I, you know, I was in the situation that you were talking about, we were talking about the other day where I had to tell somebody, it's like, no, you know what? I don't want to be treated like that. Right. Or I, that that's not a fair assessment of the situation. Mm -hmm. I feel that this is not fair. Right. Or I feel that you're incorrect about this. Mm -hmm. um, or I really don't appreciate that you did this, right? Some yes. action. Now, this has to do with really truth with a capital T. You express your feelings about what you feel and believe and what you know to be the truth, right? And sometimes it's obvious, but I think people don't want to tell the truth. People are afraid of the truth because yes. the truth will break open a lot of other things that they might not know that the, that that people might realize that they're not as secure as they that they're, as they're projecting. Now, I yes. think people know that that have emotional sobriety and and have some sort of emotional intelligence understand that that's posturing. Yes, because they don't really <laughs> want to go there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when they're evading or coming up with reasons why they have no fault in it, you know, it's pretty easy to to start seeing that after a while and knowing who is somebody that you want to have a deeper relationship with. Dishonesty is um, very prevalent in addiction. I know I was a liar 
like nobody's business. And again, I had to see that on a four step inventory. And there were some times where I knew why I was lying. And then there were some times where it had just become a terrible habit. You know, that didn't make any difference to the other person. It was bravado or it was making up fantasy. And uh, once I started embracing honesty, once I had to do that awful, I just lied to you and I'm not exactly sure why. This is, you know, yeah. actually what happened. I only made $100. I don't know why I told you I made 500 I mean, I knew why, right? It was this game I was playing. I didn't feel like I was enough showing up exactly as I am. And, and so there is that honesty, that value system that we check into, but when it comes to other people or confronting difficult situations, you know, most alcoholics are really scared people, if you ask me. I mean, I was a really scared person. You wouldn't have known it, but I was really afraid of not being liked or taken care of or, you know, being appreciated. And so I, I would get this uh, this fantasy, this invisible contract with somebody where I was going to do everything for them. And then they should in turn do everything for me. I wasn't really giving out of my, my openness or my beautiful heart. I wanted to have some kind of transaction. And yeah. so when they didn't, then I was confrontational and it was all based on dishonesty. Well, this is the whole thing about too, is that, um, I mean, I think we would say, in the coaching business, the doormat clients, you know, the yes. people that will take everything, right? Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get them to a place where they understand that they can assert boundaries and that they yes. can stand up and say, that doesn't work for me. I don't like pizza. I want to mm -hmm. go to Chinese food, right? Like, yes. like just simple little things that we talk about, like being able to set boundaries. But a lot of the times what happens in, in, in addiction are we pick people that and even in sobriety, like we, you and I talk about this all the time on a personal level, we pick people that are going to really play a role that we're playing out, not because they're the best friends for us or the people no. that interest us the most, or we get something out of it and we give something in the situation, in the relationship. It's literally to fulfill a broken mechanism. Right. Yes, and I'm we see this it. all the time. Yeah. We're going to fix this. And, but then what happens is when people set boundaries, they're then shocked all of a sudden <laughs> when they don't have that person that they picked, who's never had a track record mm -mm. Of, of being accommodating to anyone's boundaries. Say, right. I don't give a crap about your, and they're shocked and right. it freezes people. Right. And they think, well, I don't want to set, I don't want to set boundaries and confront anybody about being mistreated or about how I would like things to go because obviously I'm the minority here. Right. Everybody is it? No, you've just picked wrong people in your life. Well, you, you know, there's one, that's one way to think about it. Or you picked somebody that you could learn the lesson with. Of course we yeah. pick familiar patterns. You know, if you better way raised, to say it better way. Yeah. If you raised with somebody saying, come here, stay away, come here, stay away. There is going to be this desire for you to right the wrong. You know, I know for me, I absolutely gravitated to the one person who had nothing to give because I believed that if I could get that person to love me, then I was really, really lovable. And my grandparents had it wrong. It was about them. And, and so I would pick the person that, you know, the most unloving person that I could find. And rather than, you know, be 
you know, negative toward that former Christie. I'm more compassionate toward her understanding. But codependency, everybody thinks it's the person being really clinging and wants so much from that person. That's just the way it's expressing itself. Anxious attachment is what people think about when they think of a codependent. But a codependent can also be avoided, right? They, it's ultimately the fear of intimacy. Vulnerability is one of the scariest things that we can even imagine, even though we demand it from somebody else, we are the last to give it. And that talks and speaks to honesty. You know, if I say, I don't want pizza, they may leave. And your, your adult head says, that's crazy. Why are you doing that? You know, what, what are you doing? Why are you a doormat? It has all this judgment. It speaks to unhealed trauma. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I want to dive into that, Christina, after this quick break, because yes. people are listening to this and they're they're saying, okay, yes, I'm having I have a problem with confrontation, even if it's healthy mm -hmm. confrontation. Yes. Even if it's me setting a boundary and the person doesn't necessarily respect that. How do you do it right? How yes. do you confront people in the right way? We're gonna dive into that after this quick break. If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough six-week transformation concierge coaching program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on concierge coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free get to know you call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about recovery breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Okay, Christina, we're talking about confrontation today. We're talking okay, why right. it's difficult in sobriety. It's difficult. Listen, yes. it's difficult. We promised everybody that we would talk after the break about how to confront people in a right way. And also, I want to talk mm -hmm. about what happens if it doesn't work out the way that you think it's going to. Right. <laughs> Right. Or the, yeah, the way you don't want it to. It's, um, it, it, this drives people crazy, but in codependency recovery, we often show up wanting that other person to change. Right. And so just like in Al-Anon or recovery, or if you, you're through family systems recovery program, you realize that we don't have any control over them. And some of the negotiation, some of the, you know, trying to get that addict or that other person to do what we want them to do is simply manipulation. And of course it's because we're afraid, right? We want what we think is the best, right? So when we start working on recovery from codependency, which allows us to transmit our boundaries, even before we open our mouth, we got to figure out who we are, first and foremost. Once you start learning who you are, 
then it's a little easier to have a sense of self to make a boundary to really figure out what it is that you want. And I'm not saying that codependents and active addicts that find recovery can't stay together, but it's a completely new it's a full on new relationship from the beginning. So as you start identifying as a codependent, the first and foremost thing is to work on sense of self and figuring out who we are. And that sounds yeah. a little, yeah, it's a little different than recovering from alcohol where we stop thinking about ourselves so much. But we have to do that as codependents. We have to learn how to take care of ourselves. Once we have yeah. an and idea. And I think you need your boundaries, right? You need yes, to well, your boundaries because well, this is the thing real quick. I got to jump in real quick on this because yeah, you talk said to something. Me. That is that is so good. It's like you said, you have to know what you want, basically. Right. Yes. And the thing is, is that a lot of people don't know what they want. That's a problem. But two, mm -hmm. they don't know how to actually set their boundaries. Right. They don't. They don't. It's the scariest thing in the world to say no. And I always tell people start first. Like you said, first, you got to know what you want. You know how many times I've sat across with somebody and said, well, what do you want from this relationship? And they don't know. They don't believe that they can ask. They don't believe that they have any worth or that the other person has any capability of giving it to them. And so they pick this person kind of on purpose, right, to reject them because that feels comfortable. Yeah. That's familiar. And so one of the scariest things in the world in recovery is to learn how to start showing up as yourself and ask for what you need. And I always tell people, start with something little. Start setting boundaries with people that you know you can trust. Start telling them. I have noticed that I do not take care of myself in the best manner. And so I'm going to practice boundaries you know, with you and then start just practicing these phrases. Like, actually, I prefer to do this. I mean, that's one of the easiest ways to not say anything negative about what the other person is, is uh, offering as a suggestion. It's saying what you want. And boundaries are simply, they can be as simple as that. Wait, what do I actually want in this situation? Well, this and to clarify it too, I think one of the things, one of the things that I've experienced in, in working with people in recovery, especially young men, like I'm going to mm -hmm. say late 20s, early 30s that are on the dating scene. They've gotten mm -hmm. sober. They've got some time. Now they're going out and dating. Right. And, the, you know, inevitably I'll get that call for that session or whatever. And they'll say, oh, my God, this is such a train wreck. And I, this person drinks a lot. And I don't know if mm -hmm. I can. Right. And I was like, hey, you know, that's a boundary for you. Like, you're not going to be around. You really can't be around somebody if you want to stay sober long term that does that. Right. And right. they'll barter that back and forth, that boundary back and forth. And I found one of the biggest things is finding out what you want and putting it down on paper. And it's yes. funny that when I have the conversation, I have them read back what they want. I'm like going, OK, you're dating a couple of people. This person you're obsessed with, there's nothing on this list right. that you want. Like they want, they need consistency. They need somebody yes. who's not erratic. They need, they have trust issues. Maybe they don't want somebody who said, this person's cheated on you three times or right. Like you've been <laughs> yes. with them a month, right? Like this is not clearly, this is not, so, you're going to be in constant confrontation because they're going to be going over your boundaries all the time. But what about this person over here that has everything on your list and is crazy about you, right? And right. then they start to see it. They start to see it's like, oh, okay. I should have put down some boundaries here.
because yes. now I'm way over the, I'm way in too deep and I have to paddle closer to the shore because I can drown at any minute. Well, and, and see, to me, the person that you were describing that's over here that's crazy about you, it's our person's fear of intimacy that keeps us. It's We codependents don't want to be in an intimate relationship, even though it looks like we're clamoring and trying to get somebody else to love us. The truth is, is if somebody turned around and said and did it, we'd run for the hills because it's that fear of value, you know, I don't have enough value. I can't trust you because I will get hurt. And so I'm going to stay over here with this negative pattern because I don't really have to show up honestly. I mean, that is I mean, when you are not able to express what you need and want with somebody, you are setting it up to fail already. And sad to say, you're doing it probably on purpose. That's not well, fun to look at. No, it's not. And, and I got to be honest, one of the hardest things to learn in recovery is it, for me was that sometimes I was seeking out people that would inevitably lead to all kinds yes. of confrontation because deep down inside, I believed that that was love, right? Because, yes. you know, if you, if you had that as a model confrontation growing up, if you come from an alcoholic household and confrontation was the status quo you associate that with well that's got to be a loving relationship because there's confrontation there all the time that's not yes. a loving relationship right like so the thing is is that uh, it's at these models too i think you have to look at these models i do believe there's times that you have to confront people look yes. especially in today's daily world people are mm -hmm. crazy sometimes and you have to look you have to confront injustice when things are going bad when sometimes you do have to interject yourself when it's uncomfortable, when maybe something's not fair going on at work right. or right. Th you, there has been an injustice to you or you have to speak up to do the right thing to defend somebody else. There's going to be confrontation there, but it's this constant confrontation and us slamming ourselves into these situations or any type of confrontation you run from. That's yes. another problem, right? We see that a lot too. Right. Right. And it is. It's learning who you are and what you want. It is becoming ultimately 100 percent responsible for your own happiness. As long as we don't have to become responsible, we can blame other people. Right. If we if we leave our happiness up to this partner or this job or that employer, we get to absolve ourselves from responsibility. And the freedom is actually assuming the responsibility and realizing the only person who is supposed to make us happy is us. That's our job. And everything else on top of that is a bonus. And when you are able to show up as a whole person in a relationship, so you have to admit you're not really whole yet, then another whole person will find that attractive and the two of you will be able to create a third interdependent relationship. And I think listening is too, we, we hear this a lot in recovered life discussions where people have problems with their family when they come into recovery that they'll tell their parents, hey, I can't drink or a mm -hmm. sibling like, I don't wanna be the role of the screw up in the family anymore. That's yes. not who I am, right? Yep. And people will fight back. And I think you also have to be able to walk away once you've stated it to be able to just state it clearly. It's like, you know what? Hey, this is a boundary. Mm -hmm. um, I, yes, this is uncomfortable to confront. And just to be honest, it's like, this is uncomfortable. 
I don't right. want to confront you. I remember the first time that I had to fire somebody mm -hmm. when I owned a business. Uh, it was horrible. I yes. mean, it was, I did not want to be that person. I loved to be the guy who hired people. I hated to be the guy who fired people. But I learned that <laughs> sometimes I had to say, hey, you haven't showed up for a week. Yes. And this is the fifth time you've done it. Like that doesn't work, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's really, really hard. But I think this whole practice of being able to do healthy confrontation is really, is very good for us in recovery. It so is. And, you know, with couples, there's a couple of books that I recommend people get that allow them to ask questions and practice communication. And it is just, I mean, if you if it's never been modeled to you, there is no way that you're going to know it. And trust me, the, the love that's out there, even relationships as a whole, most of them are based on a dominator model and codependency. And so for those of us who are going to say, I used to be addicted to excitement and now I really want contentment and I'm looking for somebody else who wants that, that takes courage, but it, yeah. it also takes practice. It does take courage. It does take courage. And, you know, for people who are afraid, you know, of confronting people, what I will say is when I've had to do it and I don't enjoy it, I, I don't, mm. you know, look, I, it's not something that I love to do every day, mm -mm. but I've learned it's gotten easier. I'm able to live with my truth of being able to say, and to be open to, and to be able to say like, look, this is the way that I see it. But if you don't see it that way, I'm willing to have a conversation about it, right? Yes. Like being open and being a good listener and being able to listen to what the other person has to say. And, you know, one of the th one of the freedoms of recovery, Christine, I think for me is to be okay with it not being okay. Yes. Um, yes. And that's something I've learned the hard way, but it's okay right. that things aren't okay all the time. It is okay that things aren't okay. That is a true representation of life. That says your feet are on the ground and you're actually living your life. And as anything, the more that we get used to that, the more that we're okay flying through the air, you know, in the middle of a trapeze, the more we realize that that's actually life. Christina, this has been an amazing show. Any last thoughts about confrontation? about any of the subject, anything that people need to know. I know you talk about it a lot on your Setting Healthy Boundaries mm -hmm. Recovered Life discussions that we do every week. Yes, I think that the first thing that people need to know when they're trying to learn self uh, setting healthy boundaries is that it starts with sense and love of self. That self-love is actually the first step. This has been an amazing show. Thank you so much, Christina Dennis. This is going to be, uh, the show is in the can for Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. Everybody go out and live your best recovered life. We'll see you next Mwah. episode. Bye. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.